Good evening. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step are the relationship chapters, two wives, the family afterward, and two employers. And our speaker tonight is Amy G. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Elena. Um, I am powerless over food, and my name is Amy G. from Vancouver, Washington. I introduce myself that way because I'm not sure newcomers know what a compulsive overeater is, but they might know that they are powerless over food. I welcome any newcomers and hope to tell you some things that will help you find a power greater than yourself that can solve your food problem. I heard an AA speaker say there are three talks we give. There's the one we practice at home, which is perfect, and we hit it out of the park. And there's the one we give in our minds on our way home of, of all the things we wish we had said. And then there's the third one, which is the one we give, and that's what I'm going to do tonight. First, I want to start with a prayer. God, help me to put aside everything I think I know about myself, about you, about my disease, about my recovery, and about the relationship chapters, so I may have an open mind and a new experience of myself, <coughs> of you, of my disease, of my recovery, and the relationship chapters. Please show me the truth and protect me from caring about how I appear to those who are listening to me. I present this talk about the relationship chapters in the big book as part of repayment for the gifts I have received from the 12 steps, from my sponsor, from my former sponsors, from fellows, and from the entire O'Readers Anonymous program. I also do this to thank my husband, my family, my former employers, my friends and neighbors for all their tolerance, kindness, love, and support. From all of these, I have recovery from my food problem, a new lease on life, and a new way of living that is infinitely better than before. This is my story. I was a chubby child and adolescent and always an overweight adult until the past year. My father lost and gained 100 pounds every year and always invited me to have ice cream with him after he finished yelling and hitting me. Food was a major part of my life and also the shame that I didn't look like the thin, pretty, and popular girls. In 1960, at the age of 11, I began dieting with my obese father. The first diet program involved taking amphetamines and eating 500 calories a day. I was buzzing through middle school. I lost a lot of weight and caught the eye of an 18-year-old boy who raped me. I regained the weight and more very quickly. Like many of us, I always felt outside the circle of pretty popular girls, though I thought it was because I was fat and had short, thin hair. I had boyfriends in high school, college, and graduate school. I felt unworthy of attention unless we were having sex, and I went to bed with a lot of strangers. I went to my first OA meeting in 1973 at the age of 24. I spent the next five decades dieting and regaining weight on many different plans, never losing all my weight and often regaining it plus more. My highest weight was 220, and now I weigh 149. I've not dieted in at least four years, but I do follow a food plan. I wanted to figure out why I was overeating and how to stop, but even though I had more degrees than a thermometer, I wasn't as smart enough to figure out how to solve my powerlessness, my problem of powerless over food and my unmanageable life. I needed a power greater than myself, not more knowledge. 
I attended OA meetings that were using the tools and going to meetings for diet support. The slogan in the rooms was, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. In 2011, the Vision for You program began and the AA Big Book became my focus and my spiritual awakening and my higher power became the most important thing in my life without exception. I left and returned to OA many times over the next 40 years, trying other diets like pregnant women's urine shots, Optifast seven times, magazine diets, and more. I went to three in-person OA meetings a week and had many sponsors. I never lost much weight and was brought to my knees by Baskin Robbins. Um, I wasn't in the program until I began to listen to big book study meetings and work the steps vigorously with a recovered sponsor. In the long years of being in and out, it was better to be in the rooms than not, and I learned something from every sponsor and meeting. But until I put recovery ahead of everything else, I risked losing my health and important relationships. Most of my friends were married and having children while I was sleeping with strangers. I asked a God who I did not understand and did not really believe um, that for a husband and a child. In 1982, I met and married my husband, who I've been married to for 41 years. In 1989, after years of infertility, uh, we adopted a five-year-old boy from foster care, and I became a mother. He's now 38 years old and a husband, a father of a toddler, and a labor lawyer who's worked for the same firm for seven years. Finally, I began a relationship with God and asked him what we would have me do instead of demanding he give me what I wanted. Gentle nudge. Thank you. I was always obsessed with my size, what I was eating, and what others were eating. And when I was with others, um, I watched what they were eating and barely listened to any of the conversations. I have a large collection of 30-day chips and don't feel like counting my abstinent days or years is helpful. I know I've been abstinent for most of the past three years, but slips have brought me closer to God and I am abstinent today. <clears throat> what works for me was to work the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous with a recovered sponsor and to do the same things every day that help me maintain my abstinence. Those things include using most of the tools plus prayer and meditation. I wanna begin talking about the relationship chapters with a quote from the big book on page 124. It says, in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. There are three relationship chapters. I will talk about the main spiritual lessons from each one and how they relate to my life. In brief, they helped me see that I wanted, to con I wanted control over people's lives, over what they thought of me and over events of the day. I will not address the chapters in the order they are in the book, but I will touch on all three. The main point of the two wives chapter is don't condemn or criticize because it doesn't help. And it makes you forget that the addict in your life is ill. I got married at 170 pounds and got up to 210 in the following decades. My husband supported the expensive diets I went on and never tried to stop me from eating food that I had told him I shouldn't have like desserts. In 41 years of marriage, he never mentioned my weight and rarely tried to control my food. Now that I'm recovered and have lost 70 pounds, he occasionally compliments me on what he calls dealing with my diet. 
In the late 1980s, we tried to have children. I either miscarried, had an ectopic pregnancy, or had failed in vitro. Eventually, I reluctantly agreed to consider adoption, but I wanted a child the age of the one we would have had, and one with emotional problems like my husband and I had survived from our childhood, childhoods. We wanted a child who could benefit from our home, so not a blind, deaf, or mentally retarded child. We won the lottery. Our son was physically gorgeous, an athlete, and very smart. He was also a huge behavior problem, and I saw taming him as my most important project in life. <coughs> I became the dictator, trying to control his behavior, his relationship with my husband, and the world. As an addict, I thought I was in charge of everything, and it was all for everyone's good. I accepted community disapproval of things I did as proof that I was the only one who knew what was right. Our son spent two years in residential treatment between the ages of 16 and 18 uh, in Los Angeles and in Utah. When he came back, he carried the diagnosis of alcohol abuse and was drinking and smoking marijuana. I went to a parent Al-Anon group for five years and learned a lot. For example, I learned a prayer that was, I love you and release you to the God of your understanding. I also learned when I got busy, he got better. He's now three years sober, rejected six AA after six months of trying it and stopped smoking when his son was born. Learning to not enable him and hover over him were the great gifts of Al-Anon. Then there's the book, the uh, chapter to employers. This chapter was, not, was the only one not written by Bill Wilson. It was written by Hank Parkhurst, who didn't believe in God and died drunk. I had three careers. I left each one after intensive, extensive, expensive study because of reasons that boiled down to my not getting enough recognition. This chapter says that to recover, you need an understanding person and good information. I had lots of understanding, compassionate sponsors who did not have accurate information. I had some kind employers, but I think my weight and eating behaviors concerned them. One even mentioned that I was nodding off in a meeting and asked if I was diabetic. The answer was yes, and I had just eaten a lot of sugar. An addict needs to be cared about to recover. I was cared about enormously at my recent volunteer jobs, but none of my paid jobs um, cared, expressed caring about me in a way that was enough for my ego to tolerate continued employment. I stole ice cream from a freezer where it was stored to give to children at one of my jobs. I cheated and lied about doing work I never did or did at the last minute. I wanted the world to revolve around me. I had strong opinions and prejudices and never judged well when I should express them. Gentle reminder. Thank you. I needed a transformation, a spiritual awakening. I tried to pretend I was better than I was, especially when I was jealous of others' salary or position. I tried to show off, make jokes, pretend I was better than others. I had an affair at one of my <clears throat> early jobs in my 20s with one of the supervisors. Um, I didn't get fired for that or anything else because I did good enough work, but often by luck um, or working very hard at the last minute. By luck, I mean, I had a fundraising job in Los Angeles for the Red Cross, and it's really not hard to find 
high wealth donors in Los Angeles if I had been <clears throat> in a position in a smaller, less wealthy community, I wouldn't have looked as good. Um, I wanted to be the favorite and in that job I was. And then I retired from that job. In the family afterward, it is implied that there was a family before and that the family had to, re re had to adjust to the changes of my recovery. I was the queen of manipulation and control and my husband and son resented me and retaliated with anger. My demands were conceded to, which led to their resentment, discord, and unhappiness. <coughs> I have the remnants of COVID in my throat, so sorry for the, for my voice. I thought I wanted what was best for my son and husband, but that always was about my running the show. I wanted to look like an amazing mother, a devoted wife, and admired, be admired by all. They both loved me deeply and never stopped trying to get me to be nicer to them. Before recovery was food, self-centeredness, and a need to run the show and always get my way. I liked it that way, but it wasn't good for others. I was addicted to diets and binging. I hoped OA would help me run the show better. After recovery, I have surrendered control over food, diets, and getting my way. My family now meets on a common ground of tolerance and love. After years of my son saying, Mom, I'm a grown man. Don't tell me what to do. I no longer tell him what to do. I've been blessed with a wonderful daughter-in-law. They live in Los Angeles, and I live in the state of Washington, a thousand miles away. My motto as a grandmother is to keep my mouth shut and my wallet open. My reward is that my daughter-in-law sends me videos and photos of my grandson almost every day, and I am grateful. Through the steps, I've become a loving and kind wife, mother, mother-in-law, sister, cousin, and daughter to the memory of my late parents. My son moved around constantly in his 20s, and we were getting to retirement age. Los Angeles was too expensive, so we found a place to live in Vancouver, Washington. Then our son met a woman to marry and they settled down five miles from where we moved from. They visit us once a year with the baby and I, can, I visit when I can. Since life is full of surprises, in December, 2021, my husband had a stroke. I was full of self-pity and resentment by being his caregiver. In recovery, I've learned that God wants him to have an ideal caregiver and wife, and I've learned to strive to fill those roles. I'm now grateful for the opportunity to be of service to him every day. I've gotten out of the director's chair with my son and with my husband's medical staff. At first, I loved being in charge with his doctors. Now I might go with him to an appointment, but I let him run his own show. I've learned to ask for help in recovery. We have professional caregivers four hours a day, four days a week. I need the help and have learned to appreciate it. I ask God for help with my food and my life every day. In a 30 to 60 minute time, I put aside for prayer, gratitude, meditation, and spiritual reading. The last and most serious part of my recovery is how I manage my health. I'm 75 years old now and have five incurable chronic and progressive diseases that can be fatal if not treated. One is compulsive overeating and my daily disciplines help to keep that in check, not cured, but in check. The others are asthma, heart disease, auto, an autoimmune liver disease, 
diabetes, and chronic kidney disease. Some of those were made worse because of my years of eating poorly. Now I take all my medications, follow my doctor's directions, exercise daily, follow my food plan, stay close to my nutritionist, and pray to God for a longer life. In 11 and a half years, I want to be at my grandson's bar mitzvah, and I've told that to my doctors. Taking care of my health and living as long as I can is how I want my family afterward to be. I want to be here. Um, last night, my husband told me something very sad. He said he was taking pictures of our house so he would be able to remember it if I die first and he has to live in a nursing home. I don't want to die first. I don't want to die second. I want to be here. So I'm not sure how God's going to arrange that, but uh, I, I will take care of myself to the best of my ability because that's the footwork that I have to do. These relationship chapters help me realize that to be honest, sane, and useful to God and others, I must be of service. It's my honor to have been of service to this meeting in this way, and I will pass. Thank you so much, Amy. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. And that is Yvonne tonight. All right. Um, Anne, are you still willing to be the timekeeper? All right, great. So can you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, who'd like to share? I see Chanel followed by Jan. Hi, thank you so much. I'm still Chanel, I'm still a grateful compulsive eater. Thank you, thank you, Amy. I always love to hear you share whether it's a three minute share on a meeting or it's your story. And I'm really glad that you shared around the relationship chapters tonight in, in, with your story. And uh, I appreciate that. I think those are pretty neglected chapters. I know they have been by me anyway. And um, you know, there's a lot in there. There's a reason they're in the book. And uh, I, I get upset, you know, cause it says things like our women folk and I bristle at that. And, I have to remember this was written in the 30s, 40s, 50s, depending on what edition and what things we're talking about. And I can translate just like I translate that it says alcohol or drinking. I can translate that in my head to compulsive eating, to food and food behaviors, alcoholic foods and food behaviors. And I want to tell you how much you're an inspiration to me. Amy, where did you go? There you are. And because um, you have these health things that could easily be excused for not doing the work every day. And yet you do the step work every day. Every day you work this program. And so you're one of those people where I'm like, oh, I'm tired or, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't even have all. So what's my excuse? right? Because you're doing it anyway. And we know, you and I know people 
who have cancer and are in chemo or radiation and are doing it anyway, because this is a life or death errand. So I'm so appreciative for you. And, and I love your recovery journey that you're sharing it with me as a fellow. And um, I don't have a question today with that. I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chanel. I see Jan followed by Ann. Go ahead, Jan. Hi, everybody. Jan L from Florida. Amy, um, I probably could have just put my name on your story. It's shocking to me how similar it is to mine. So um, it nearly brought me to tears. And um, I really don't have a question. I just think uh, the honesty and the dignity with which you are recovering and working so hard to be healthy and also uh, sort of, it's almost like you described your past wrongs and the way you live now directly relating to making up for the life of self-centeredness and the things that happened. And I, I feel that a lot in my life um, in wanting to take that story and use it for good because it took me a long time to see truth. So I just want to thank you. I really can't think of a question and I'll just listen. Thank you, Jan. Go ahead, Ann, you're up. Thank you. I'm going to set this timer for me. Thank you. I'm Ann, a compulsive overeater. And um, hey, Amy, thank you. Um, really heart-wrenching, heartfelt. Um, you're so wise. Um, you know, you know, God, in the book, it says, what, trust God, clean house, and serve others. And my goodness, um, first serving your son and uh, being of service to him um, renews why, you know, why, why I have my daughter, you know, you know, um, who was very difficult and very violent at times, but not anymore. But, you know, I was called to... To, to to help her and she is thriving thank god but more importantly um amy this serving your husband you know a mm -hmm. uh, real testimony to um whatever god has in store for me for the rest of my life you know um i know from your beautiful example you know how to um how to face life with dignity and um um, I'm just so grateful we're friends. I'm so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. Lisa, you're next, followed by Mindy. Hey, Lisa, compulsive overeater. 100-pounder multiple times because I kept leaving. Now I don't leave. I abstain from leaving. Um, Amy, um, well, most of you know I have, I'm not ever speechless. <laughs> um, except now. It's like, you know, like, wow, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, wow, that's good. I can say that. Um, it's kind of a bummer because I have a feeling that you're going to be asked to speak a lot and I'm just going to get stuck hearing you again. 
again and again. <laughs> I'm kidding, but kind of not kidding. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Go ahead, Mindy. Hi, my name is Mindy. <clears throat> I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I think this is my first time at this meeting. And I'm uh, on back on day one again, um, working the program though. And I have a sponsor and the idea of God sometimes is hard for me. So, but I know somebody else is in charge and it's something else is in charge and it's not me. That's for sure. Cause I know I always mess things up and I've lost a hundred pounds several times or wait my whole life. When you were taught, I never heard anybody say that they dieted with their father. And uh, I dieted with my father who was always, you know, losing weight. Uh, he would have a hundred pounds. I mean, he was a big man. And we would go to diet centers together and we went to Pritikin, we went to Duke, we went to all these different places trying to lose weight. He would promise me the world if I could lose weight, like I'll get you this car. You know, it's like, what was that good for? I couldn't lose the weight. I would go up and down and up and down. Nothing could help me my whole life. I mean, it's like, wow. Um, Thank you for talking about that. Um, and um, I, I've always been obsessed about my weight um, and I'm embarrassed about my weight now. You have such a pretty face, they would say, but the rest of me is big. Uh, I wanted to slap them when they said, you have such a pretty face. Oh, you look so much bigger on in person than you do on Zoom. I've also gotten, yeah, which... Yeah, set me back a while. So I'm I'm new to the program and I'm struggling to go out more and not be embarrassed about my size. And I am losing weight and um, I have my daughter's wedding coming up at the end of the year. I have a lot of good things, but, and she was very difficult talking about your son. My daughter tried to kill herself a few times when she was um, in junior high school and she was in an institution for a few weeks and we put her on all sorts of medications and doctors and she's fabulous and she's getting married and she has a fiance. Yeah, thank you. Sometimes, and it's taken a lot of hard work in keeping my mouth shut. So I enjoyed listening to you. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Who else would like to share and claim your seat or have a question for Amy G? Go ahead, Anita. Okay, there we go. Thanks. Um, hi, Amy. Thank you so much for your story. I've seen you at meetings and um, and yeah, and I know that you've been in for I think you're a, a 50 year um, uh, and your story is amazing. You're very, um, I love how just open and honest you are. Um, that's amazing. I hope to be that way sometime. Um, I'm just in my step four, doing my resentments. Um, and it's it's really interesting. Um, 
Yeah, just uh, you just seem to be so, so honest and so grateful for all that you have. And I hope to be there someday where you are. Um, and that's all I have. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anita. Who else would like to share? Go ahead, Joanna or Joanne. Sorry about that. Okay. Is there that you good? Go. Yep, that's oh. great. Thank you. Second time is, uh, is, is the one. Thank you again. Um, Amy, uh, for sharing for your story, you know, I, um, in prayer, I, uh, in meditation and prayer, you know, um, you would mention in, in the chapter where, you know, our, our deepest, darkest past, somehow God uses it, you know, God wants to make something extraordinary through the stories of our lives for others. And it, that is, I think, the, the, the power of this fellowship. He uses uh, this playground. This is God's playground. And we're all his children playing. And, um, you know, we're listening. Something we say about our story touches somebody else's life. And we identify. We identify. And that is a key factor in uh, recovery, not just abstinence, recovery. Because um, it is only through human experience that we can connect to each other. And um, I thank you for sharing about the, the growth of the human relationships pre-recovery, during, and post, because um, that's important. At the end of the day, that's where the rubber, you know, hits the road is what kind of relationships do we have in our recovery? You know, the food we know is, I liked, uh, I heard this the other day, the food is the donkey that is used to get us on the road to what God wants us to do with our lives. And uh, that's where I'm, 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 I'm grateful for my donkey. <laughs> I'm now living um, in making living amends to the relationships that I, um, that I broke and I damaged. You know, I was the, no, no, no damage here, Ma, after a big storm, right? We didn't realize what we didn't realize. And um, I can relate, you know, um, with children and motherhood and, um, and parenthood. Um, my, my daughter and I are estranged and I'm able today to love her with peace and acceptance and don't have resentment and ready to make living amends to her. 
And it's not about being right. It's about living right. It's about living right. And um, gentle reminder. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Joanne. All right, Lisa, go ahead. See, I'm double dipping, which is a food reference, if you don't know that one. Um, you know, I've I've heard I've heard like really well known and well respected speakers in OA talk about to the wives as if they're the wife, not the addict, which is like crazy. I read it like I'm the alcoholic, and you 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 did too, obviously. And so, um, have you heard people do it like backwards? Have you? Because I've heard that where they like talk about it the opposite way. That's my question. I don't really have an answer for that. I mean, I am a wife, but I'm not the wife of an alcoholic husband. And my husband was the spouse of an, of an addict. So I guess in 2024, if we were revising the book, which I hope we never do, it would say two spouses and we could figure it out that way. Right. Or partners. <laughs> partners. We're getting more PC now. Thanks. Bill Wilson was not PC, but there was no PC then. So no. maybe there was, I don't know. It was stood for popcorn. <laughs> oh, do you have some? No, never mind. Thank you, Lisa. All right, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Yvonne, can you please stop the recording? <laughs>